Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, September 21st edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching the game at the shoe, road tripping to an away game, or enjoying it from the comforts of your own home. However, I will not be doing it all on my own, as every week I will be joined by 610 WTVN Sports reporter, the legendary Laurie Schmidt, for her unique insights into the game with a peek under the hat. Today, the sixth-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes return home for their final non-conference game of the regular season, as they welcome in the 1-2 Miami University Redhawks out of the Mid-American Conference. The in-state foes will kick off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and the contest will be broadcast on the Big Ten Network. With Brandon Gowden on the call, OSU legend James Laurinaitis providing color commentary, and Elise Menneker reporting from the sideline. As always, the game can be heard on 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes' Paul Keels will be on the call, along with Ohio State and NFL legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary, and Matt Andrews on the sideline reporting. The line at MGM Sportsbook has the Buckeyes as a 38-point favorite for the game, and the over-under is at 58 points as of recording time. On Friday, head coach Ryan Day released the Buckeyes' depth chart and availability report, and for the fourth week in a row, senior captains defensive end Jonathan Cooper and wide receiver C.J. Saunders were ruled unavailable. Sophomore Teron Vincent is also out for his fourth game in a row to start the season, but Cooper and Vincent aren't the only rushmen ruled out against the Redhawks. After missing the opening week, but rebounding and playing great against Cincinnati and in the first half against Indiana, sophomore and Tyreek Smith will not play this weekend either. In an uncharacteristically transparent move when it comes to injuries, on his radio show on Thursday, Day confirmed that what kept Smith out of the second half against the Hoosiers was not an abundance of caution or just a re-aggravation of the sophomore's previous injury. So Smith is out for the second full game of the season, this time with a new injury. No word on how long the rising defensive star will be out. Also absent along the front of the defensive line today will be senior defensive tackles Robert Big Bob Landers and Noah Donald. With five defensive linemen already ruled out, sophomore Tyler Friday and true freshman Zach Harrison are listed as co-starters at the end position opposite Chase Young. Harrison is the five-star prospect out of Olentangy Orange High School, who was the number one player in Ohio and the 12th ranked player nationally. Also out against Miami will be freshman wide receiver Cameron Babb and freshman safety Ronnie Hickey. Sophomore cornerback Cameron Brown will be a game-time decision. The temperature in Columbus at game time will be 84 degrees with mostly cloudy skies and a 15% chance of rain. The humidity will hover around 50% for the duration of the game. As always, Ohio Stadium will open its gates two hours before kickoff, so at 1.30 p.m. today. The doors to St. John Arena will open four hours prior to kickoff if you would like to make your way inside to get seats for the Skull Session. Again, those doors will open at 11.30 a.m. Skull Session will start at 1.10 p.m. and the Ohio State University Marching Band's ramp entrance will begin at 3.18 in the shoe and will lead into a pregame double script Ohio. Their halftime show is one that fits pretty perfectly at the center of my personal Venn diagram, modern movie musicals. As a reminder, the Horseshoes Wi-Fi password for non-students, faculty, and staff is OSU Fan Wi-Fi. That is lowercase OSU, capital F, lowercase A-N, capital W, lowercase I-F-I. Apparently, people at football games like to be able to use their phones. Who would have guessed? Never would have thought that. Uh, Because earlier this week, it was reported by Mobile Sports Report. Yes, a website that looks specifically at the intersection of mobile phone usage 
and Sports reported that in the first two home games of the season, Buckeye fans used 26 terabytes of data with a peak connection number of 29,500 people at a time, or a little over one quarter of everybody in the shoe. Just for reference, you would need to stream 676 days of video to reach 26 terabytes. I genuinely wonder if that total will go up or down if and when the games become more competitive for the Buckeyes. Unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, depending on how you're looking at it, today's game will likely not be at all competitive. The Red Hawks opened their season losing 38-14 to the Iowa Hawkeyes, then beat FCS foe Tennessee Tech 48-17, before falling to Cincinnati last week 35-13. Yes, the same Cincinnati that Ohio State beat 42-0 the previous week. We will get more into the numbers and the matchup shortly, but before we do, we will take a short break, then we will be back to chat with 610WTVN's Lori Schmidt. All right, we are joined again by 610WTVN's Lori Schmidt. Lori, happy Friday. We're recording on Friday. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm always glad to talk to you, Matt. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm uh, looking forward to an interesting week of college football. Probably not much interesting or at least competitive going on in Ohio Stadium, but there will be some interesting games across the country, obviously, with some, a good Big Ten matchup and then an, a non-conference matchup between Georgia and Notre Dame. But we are here to talk about the Miami Red Hawks. For those of you who might not have been paying attention to what's been happening over in Oxford, they are no longer... The other name. So this are a school that Ohio State's played before, but I know it's a little more personal for you as an Ohio Bobcat yourself. There's a, a little bit more of a rivalry with the Red Hawks for you than for most Buckeye fans. I refuse to consider Miami a rival. We okay. we always thump them. They, therefore, I refuse to acknowledge, even though by saying that, what I'm trying to do is rub salt in the wound because <laughs> I consider them a rival. So, <laughs> yeah. I understand. I mean, it's them and them in Eastern Michigan. They always got under under my skin. Yes, as an Ohio athlete. Yes, you want to see them lose at everything. Yeah, I hope their tiddlywinks team goes <laughs> unwinless all year. Do they have an official school sponsored tiddlywinks team at at Miami? Probably not, but uh, they probably have an equestrian team, and they oh, probably sure feed they their do. horses like actual gold. Yeah. I'm sure they have equestrian there. Uh, very good. So, all right. So let's get into this game uh, a little bit, Lori. As we were talking before we started recording here, this is an incredibly young team for Miami, especially, you know, on the skill position side of things. So what do we know about this very, very inexperienced Miami team? Well, they are led by a guy with very little experience. In fact, Brett Gabbert is the very first player in Miami team history to start at quarterback as a true freshman from the beginning wow. of the season on. So he is the first to do that. Um, his numbers are a little interesting because you look at it and he has two touchdowns and one interception this season. But that came in the season opener against Iowa and he hasn't scored a touchdown through the air. He has Oof. two rushing touchdowns and he hasn't thrown the pick since. So it he he's settling in in an, in an odd way. And he doesn't have experienced receivers to throw to, really. Two of his top three receivers are um, are sophomores. So, I mean, it's, it's, like you said, a very young team. Yeah, you mentioned in your 
game notes at over at 610WTVN.com that the Red Hawks roster includes 48 freshmen, which is more than their numbers for juniors and seniors combined, which is at 39. When you're coming into Ohio Stadium to play not just any Ohio State team, but one that's looked this good through three weeks, having a team with very little upperclassmen leadership does probably not bode well for what's going to happen in the shoe this afternoon. They do have a couple of um, experienced players on defense, and they have had a little bit of up-and-down success over the course of the season. They only came into the Cincinnati game with two sacks on the year. They left with six. So they got through what we know because it's a common opponent was a huge Cincinnati offensive line. Um, so they've had to, they, they have a, a player there who was second team all Mac last year. And then they have a player who, um, had four tackles for loss last week. So they, they can be disruptive with a couple of the, the experienced players they have on defense, although they have never faced a team like Ohio State. So I, I wouldn't think, for instance, that Cam Butler gets four TFLs against the Buckeyes. <laughs> Yeah. One of the things when you're talking about that kind of disparity in terms of the experience and maybe even the talent as well. Of course, one of the things making the rounds this week is that Chuck Martin, the head coach for Miami, gave what is it? I mean, at least for this year, an All-American, if not an all-time press conference quote and saying that when you play Ohio State, it's like you're playing on recess and Ohio State has the first 85 picks. Now, one, that's a great line, something that I'm sure anyone who is covering that team loves because you don't get stuff like that, but it seems to have upset some people. Um, like people thought that that was disrespectful to his team as, as somebody who goes to a lot of press conferences. I'm assuming that you're in favor of any time a coach or a player or anybody says something interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I am. Um, and it was, it was said during the Mac teleconference and he had clearly pre thought the line. He said something about, I've used this line before. Um, so it, it's something that if, if people are upset about it, well, Chuck Martin should know that cause he's used it before. <laughs> so, um, he's, if he's using it repeatedly, then he undoubtedly knows the reaction to it and he's rubbing salt into a wound there. Yeah. That, and well, probably a lot more wounds this weekend too, but one thing you note, you mentioned that the Miami starting quarterback, true freshman, Brett Gabbert, um, he is the younger brother of current Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback, Blaine Gabbert. But you noted that he is not the only player on Miami's roster who has an NFL connection. That's right. Wide receiver Luke Mayock is the nephew of Mike Mayock, the Raiders GM. So they have some bloodlines there in Miami, which, you know, shouldn't surprise anyone. No, the cradle of coaches always has good bloodlines. But if you're looking at right? Blaine Gabbard in Tampa Bay and Mike Mayock in, with the Raiders, are they still, what are they now? Los Angeles, Oakland, Las Vegas. I can't keep up. Um, not great situations for either Blaine or or Mike uh, for this season, at least. I wouldn't mind being a backup NFL That's quarterback true. like Blaine is. Now, I'm not sure I'd want to start for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, but I, I wouldn't mind being a backup, especially if I'd been someone like Peyton Manning's backup. But, yeah, it's we. I don't think that Blaine's going to be holding a clipboard on the sideline this Saturday, though, and so I, the, the connections there are nice. They make for a great story, but I, they're not going to help on, on Saturday, and, and that's why Ohio State is nearly a 40-point favorite this weekend. And a lot of people here in Columbus are thinking that, that they're going to go over that even. Well, and that's what's really interesting 
Lori, is that that would have to indicate that the coaches want to go over with a primetime road game coming up next week in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think a lot of people have to assume that the starters will play even less than they have in some of the previous blowouts this season. Has Ryan Day or any of the coaches giving any kind of indication, not necessarily because I'm sure they're not going to want to say Miami's terrible, we're not going to play our starters very long, but they've, have they given any kind of indication as to what their thinking is, especially this still early part of the season, in terms of getting guys reps versus getting guys off the field to prevent future injuries? That's just one of the things about having such a small sample size when it comes to Ryan Day's career. Um, you know, he he's shown a willingness. Heck, he, he's been rotating in the second team offensive lineman early in the game. So he, he is trying to build depth, and that is clearly important to him. But he is also a guy that doesn't want to take his foot off the gas. He's he's not a guy that wants to intentionally humiliate someone, but he is not a guy who who has indicated that um he wants any any let up when the second team comes in. And in fact the defensive players uh after playing uh FAU were talking about how disappointed they were that the second team let up touchdowns. And you know normally Big deal. The backups gave up a no, 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 no. Ohio State was very upset about that. It was one of the reasons that they made it such a priority the next week to come out and post a, a shutout. Um, so even if the number twos get in, the expectation is going to be extremely high. So, yes, I, I'm wagering you're probably right about the backups getting a little more time this week than maybe previous weeks I don't think Ohio State lets up especially against a very young Miami squad I mean if they're playing their backups they're so young it's it's like I don't know are they just putting fifth graders on the field at that point because they are such a young team as you alluded to 48 freshmen that's incredible yeah and you'd have to imagine then if it's underclassmen on Miami versus underclassmen at Ohio State you would think by virtue of the recruiting advantages that Ohio State's freshmen and underclassmen, even if they are backups, are still going to be as good, if not better, than Miami's starters. Yeah, yeah. Ohio State got the first 85 picks at recess, according to Chuck Martin, yeah. not the first 40. Yeah, so, not, yeah. Not, not just those first 22. That's very good. Um, yeah. Well, Lori, on Friday, we learned of the passing of Heisman Trophy winner and Ohio State legend Hopalong Cassidy. I, I know you've been covering Ohio State for quite a long time, not long enough to have been covering him in the mid-50s, of course. <laughs> but um, do you have any kind of uh, recollection of, of him? I'm sure that you've seen him throughout the years at things or something or, or anything that that you can pass along about who Hopalong Cassidy was for, for fans who probably don't remember him as a player. I just know how highly he is revered by the current Ohio State staff and, and athletes, which says something because there's a famous Jim Tressel quote that uh, history to some of these young people is yesterday's sports center highlights. So for Hop and his memory to still be a presence that was felt in Ohio State's campus, even now said something because we are a society that lives very much in the now. Um, but he was very highly regarded, almost, I would say, revered in Columbus by by people who know football. So his loss is definitely being felt, and there's just been an outpouring today of emotion regarding that. 
Yeah, and this is something I think I knew but had forgotten until people started discussing it uh, after his passing was announced, that he worked for the Yankees and George Steinbrenner primarily with the Columbus Clippers for four decades, uh, which is not something you don't see someone going from being a professional football player to being in the front office for a baseball organization. Uh, but that was an, obviously another connection that he had to not only Columbus, but to Columbus sports as well. Yeah, yeah a lot of people forget that George Steinbrenner-Columbus connection, but George oh, yeah. remained very close to Ohio State. So, yeah, that it, it, it's always nice to see, you know, that they talk about Columbus being that uh, big little town. Mm-hmm. It, it's always nice to see evidence of that in things like that. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, if people forget about George Steinbrenner's connection to not only Columbus, but to Ohio State, I think his name is on the side of the horseshoe at some point, right? Over in the uh, mm-hmm. in the band room or something. So uh, so very good. Well, Lori, I appreciate it. Um, obviously, this is a game that I think a lot of people are ready to get in the rearview mirror uh, because of what's not only coming up next, but because of the disparity here. But those are the kind of games that can uh, be interesting. I don't necessarily expect this one to be interesting, but hopefully it's a uh, an entertaining game for everybody and everybody gets out healthy before the Buckeyes head out to Nebraska next week. I did try to press Ohio State's players on how closely they would be following the noon game tomorrow, which you talked about a couple of the big games tomorrow yeah. that don't involve the Buckeyes. Yeah. Michigan and, and I, Wisconsin, I, yeah. Uh huh. I did try to, to press a couple of Ohio State players on how closely they would try to follow that. You know, would they steal a glimpse at their phone? Would they have an assistant coach whisper in their ear updates um, while they're getting ready? But I, I tell you what, they <laughs> they're on the same page as Ryan Day. They all answered. No, I'll just be getting ready for the Red Hawks. So um, they are definitely taking this game seriously. They they were not giving the Damon Arnett. I expect to win the natty kind of soundbite when when asked about how closely they would be following the Wolverines and Badgers. Let me ask you a real quick question off of that. I think I think that would have probably been the same kind of response that you got during an Urban Meyer coached team. But one of the things that has plagued Ohio State the last few years was kind of that quote unquote trap game. And I'm starting to get the sense that whether it is just because of the different personality that Ryan Day has as a human being and as a coach, that that might not be as much of a problem. Urban Meyer was noted as a master motivator. For some reason, everybody always wanted to talk about his psychology degree, which I don't think had absolutely anything to do with being a motivator. But everyone talked about that. You don't think he was doing the marshmallow experiment with his players? I mean, real life Wednesdays, who knows? But, um, you know, but he he was considered (laughs) this great motivator. And, and he could get people up for really big games. But then there were those occasional letdowns, especially in the last few years. I kind of get the sense that because Ryan Day is a little more even keel, he's a little less fiery, although I'm sure he can get that way as well, that it might be less ups and downs for his Ohio State team. Might not have some of those crazy run through a brick wall moments, but probably also don't have those crater really low valleys either. Have you gotten any kind of sense that the the team and the coaching staff has changed around Ryan Day's personality? Oh, I I definitely think so. Um, It's funny, though, because we talk about motivation and and, um, the defense is more motivated this year than I've seen them in a while. They're, sure. They talk about this chip on their shoulder that's present regardless of what their their previous week's game was. 
Um, so the, the the motivation is definitely there. The fact that Ryan Day is even killed does not mean that he hasn't been able to get his guys extremely motivated for games. But I think you're right that there's more of a level performance from the Buckeyes this year because of that sort of emotional regulation that, that Day has. Now, I like that. Yeah. what I will be really interested to see is yes, that has obviously meant that they that the Buckeyes have played better than they have in some of their previous games against teams where, that were a heavy underdog. What I will be really, really interested to see is what happens when Ohio State is the underdog or when they're expected to win, but it is a huge game. If they're able to avoid the Valleys, are they still able to climb the mountaintop when they need to? Yeah. That I will be really interested to see. Yeah, I, I don't imagine that there would be a game that they're an underdog for, at least not as of now, obviously, until potentially yeah. a college football playoff. But there will certainly be games when it's a three, four, five point spread against teams like maybe not Nebraska, but Wisconsin, Penn State and then Michigan down the road. Those will definitely be challenges that we'll probably learn a lot about, not only this team, obviously, but Ryan Day as a coach as well. Absolutely. I'm so on the same page with you. Well, Lori, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the day over at Ohio Stadium today, and I appreciate it as always, and we'll talk to you next week before the team heads out to Nebraska. Thanks for having me, Matt. Don't forget to tune into the best Buckeye pre- and post-game coverage on your radio dial on 610 WTVN. We will be back for a look inside the numbers and a prediction after this quick break. Ohio State comes into today's game against the Miami Red Hawks with a couple of streaks theoretically on the line. First, in their five all-time matchups, Ohio State has never lost to Miami. And the combined score of those five contests, dating back to 1904, is 200 to 40. The last time that the two schools met up on the football field was in another year, which saw the Buckeyes being led by a new head coach, 2012, when Urban Meyer opened the undefeated season with a 56-10 victory. The other streak technically on the line is the Buckeyes' run of 42 wins over in-state opponents. A victory today would be the second of the season and the 43rd in a row. Heading into week four, Football Outsiders F-plus has OSU ranked fourth in the country, with Miami at 95th. The metric has the Buckeyes as a 32.6-point favorite on a neutral field, which translates to a 36.1-point advantage at home. The SP-plus rankings from ESPN's Bill Connolly still have the Buckeyes in fifth place, with their offense at sixth and defense at 13th. Miami is at 98th with their offense slotted into 81st and defense to 96th. Miami is averaging 162.7 yards per game through the air and 104.3 yards on the ground. As we discussed with Lori earlier, the Hawks are quarterbacked by Brett Gabbert. He is completing just a smidge under 60% of his passes this season for a total of 160.3 yards per game and 7.8 yards per attempt. His leading receivers in terms of yards are junior wide receivers number 83 Jalen Walker and number 11 Dominique Robinson. Walker has 113 yards on the season on four catches and Robinson has 106 yards 
on five catches. However, in terms of catches, the leader is actually sophomore running back number 23, Davion Johnson. He has eight catches for 82 yards to go along with his 71 rushing yards on 26 carries. Johnson actually splits the running back responsibilities with freshman number 21, Tyree Shelton, who has 108 yards on the ground via 24 rushes. The Redhawks have three players who have already picked up double-digit tackles on the season. Junior defensive back number 49, Bart Barati, leads the team with 12 stops, while junior Iowa transfer defensive back number 5, Manny Rugamba, and sophomore defensive back number 21, Sterling Weatherford. Sterling Weatherford is perhaps the most Miami University name I've ever heard. Uh, Those two are both tied with 11. Not a good sign when all three of your leading tacklers play in the secondary. As we discussed with Lori, sophomore defensive lineman number 82, Cameron Butler, leads the Red Hawks with a pair of sacks and four tackles for loss. I'll get to my prediction momentarily, but before I do, I just want to run through the game times for some of the day's biggest non-Buckeye contests. Starting off, number 13, Wisconsin will host number 11, Michigan, at noon in a game broadcast on Fox. Obviously, the implications there don't need explaining. At 3.30, the same time that Ohio State plays, the number 8 Auburn Tigers will travel to Kyle Field to play the number 17 Texas A&M Aggies. Then in prime time at 8 p.m., there are two games to keep an eye on. Most importantly, from a national perspective, number 7 Notre Dame will go between the hedges as they visit number 3 Georgia in a game broadcast on CBS. The other game that you might want to flip over to during commercials also kicks off at 8, as Ohio State's next opponent, Nebraska, travels to Champaign to take on the Fighting Lovey Smiths of Illinois. That game will be broadcast on the Big Ten Network. Colorado at number 24 Arizona State will almost certainly be the most entertaining Pac-12 after dark contest of the week with Mel Flea Flicker from my own end zone Tucker taking on Herm you play to win the game Edwards. Anyway back to the Buckeyes obviously I'm going to pick Ohio State to win but I also think that they will cover the 38 points. I would have to imagine that with the Cornhuskers looming next week Day will look to get his top line starters out sooner than he has through the first three games of the year. I think that Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins will play a series or two into the third quarter before calling it a day. I do think that Fields will get his 220 to 230-ish yards passing, and Dobbins will get his 130 yards on the ground before they pack it up. But I also think that we will see Gunnar Hoke get the first non-Justin Fields touchdown pass of the 2019 season for the Buckeyes. Expect to see a lot of rotation on the offensive line, as well as with the linebackers and secondary for the Buckeyes. With all of the players out on the Buckeye defensive line, they are already going to be playing depth as it is. So I imagine you'll see Chase Young leave the game early, but everyone else will probably play the majority of the contests. I have the Buckeyes winning this one 59-10 and looking very strong going into their presumed first test of the season in primetime in Lincoln next week. Well, that's all I have for today. As always, Land Grant Holy Land will have you covered before, during, and after the game. I will be manning the tweeters during the contest, so please follow along at LandGrant33. Also, find us on Facebook by searching Land Grant Holy Land for all of the Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm that you can only get from LGHL. I am on Twitter at BWWMatt, that's BWWMATT as well. And if you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant Holy Land's one of a kind podcast network, where we not only bring you unique news, interviews, and analysis, but also Buckeye focused perspectives unlike any other Ohio State podcast around. So, with all of that out of the way, there's only one thing left to say Go Bucks! <laughs>